0: Well, good evening once again, family. Um, I pray everyone had a a wonderful Thanksgiving. I was catching up with a lot of you all before the service and even before service today, uh, just hearing how you all's Thanksgiving went. so praise God that uh, it seems that everyone, for the most part, had a a good Thanksgiving. Well, it's good to be together uh, once again to worship Jesus this evening. So we're going to be taking a, a brief break from Ephesians. Uh, just for a split second, and we'll be jumping back in, Lord willing, next Sunday. Uh, so be praying, yeah, just for the preached word uh, each week uh, as we yeah seek to hear God's word preached faithfully week in and week out. Be praying for myself, be praying for others who will be preaching, uh, be praying for the preached word. So this evening, we're going to be in Colossians 3. So in your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. We're going to be in Colossians 3, verses 15 through 17. So go ahead and turn there. And, and as you're turning there or scrolling there, um, I was driving back from North Carolina uh, some years ago during the Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, on my way back, um, I remember seeing a, a sign, uh, a church sign uh, that said, let's make Thanksgiving a lifestyle instead of just a day. So let's make Thanksgiving a lifestyle instead of just a day. And that just struck me uh, when I was driving back and has you know, been something that's been in my mind since then, just in thinking about you know, the Thanksgiving season and just you know, all of life. Uh, what, if, what if we make Thanksgiving, what if we make thankfulness a lifestyle, right? Uh, versus just being a day or a particular season. I mean, how much joy would you and I experience if we were more thankful? We were more thankful. How much joy would you and I experience if we, you know, strive to be more grateful, right? Me, all of us, strive to be more grateful uh, for what we do have um, or where we are in life currently versus, you know, ungrateful or uh, experiencing ingratitude for, for where we are in life or what we don't have. I mean, how much more joy? will be experienced if we're more thankful. So this evening from God's word, from this text, I hope that we'll all see thankfulness uh, in, a, in a fresh way. So before we dive in, let me ask God for his help again. Let me, let me pray for us. Father in heaven, uh, as we have already been praying and singing and praising you, um, God, now uh, as we hear your word proclaimed, God, I pray, um, yeah, that you would speak to us all, that you would, from your word, Speak to our hearts, God. Uh, help us, Lord, uh, as we think about thankfulness this evening. Help us to be more thankful. Uh, we, yeah, can't do that in and of ourselves and our own strength. We, we need your spirit to help us. Uh, sometimes in the midst of hardships and in struggles and just challenges and just, just so many different things. Sometimes, um, yeah, we, we don't thank you enough or we aren't thankful enough and so god i pray that you would help us to set our eyes on you this evening uh, set our hearts on you and help us all uh, to be more thankful to be more grateful Um, we pray all these things in christ's name amen amen Amen. so so colossians 3 Verse 15 starts with this. It says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And so, typically, you know, for us at CHCC, uh, we, as we are in the book of Ephesians, we're going by verse by verse. Uh, today, we're uh, in Colossians, and we're going to just be pulling out uh, these few verses uh, in thinking about thankfulness. Um, and so, if you're taking notes this evening, here's the main idea of our passage. Thankfulness is to be a lifestyle for the Christian. Thankfulness is to be a lifestyle for the Christian. So we're going to look at three themes from this, uh, these few verses in particular. So theme number one, thankfulness as a response to God. That's verse 15. Theme number two, thankfulness as worship to God. That's verse 16. Theme number three, thankfulness as motivation for God. And that's verse 17. So theme number one, thankfulness as a response to God. Theme number two, thankfulness as worship to God. And then theme number three, thankfulness as motivation for God. So a little bit of background about the book of Colossians is that the uh, author is Paul. Right. Same author who wrote the book of Ephesians is, is Paul and he's writing to uh, the church at Colossae. And so uh, Colossae would be modern day Turkey. Um, and so he's writing to a church there that had been recently planted and they were combating Greek philosophy. So they were combating Greek philosophy and what that is is Jesus plus knowledge. So Greek philosophy, Jesus, uh, isn't enough. They need knowledge and so they're, they're seeking knowledge and so Jesus plus knowledge but then they were also uh, battling legalism. And So not only Jesus but Jesus plus works. Uh, what you do uh, plus Jesus and and, and that would encompass salvation for you. And so they're battling Greek philosophy and then legalism. So it's not surprising uh, that Paul reminds the church at Colossae uh, of their identity in Christ at the beginning of chapter three. Um, so you see at the beginning of chapter three, look there with me, He says verse one, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so, you know, he reminds them of of who they are in Christ uh, and that they are to seek Christ. Uh, And then from there, he goes on and talks about putting to death. Right, Putting to death was earthly in them, in us. So putting these things to death. And we looked at this last week as we were in Ephesians four in a parallel passage, but he's telling them to put to death sin, right? And then in verse twelve he picks up and he says, to, to put on the new self, right? To to put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, etc. etc. So he, he tells them to put off sin, and he tells them to then put on the new self, to put on Christ. So we looked at this last week more in depth uh, in Ephesians 4. But then this is where it leads to the verses we are uh, chopping it up in this evening, our verses in uh, 15 through 17. So theme number one, thankfulness as a response to God. So look back with me at verse 15. Here's what it reads. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. All right. So the word peace here is as John MacArthur states, it says, includes both the concept of an agreement or a pact, treaty or bond, and that of an attitude of rest or security. I'll read that again. So the word peace here is, is referring to a meaning. It includes both the concept of an agreement or a pact, a treaty or bond, and that of an attitude of rest or security. So what, what does this all mean? It, it means that on one level, uh, God has granted the believer peace with himself through uh, the son's perfect sinless life and death on the cross and resurrection, right? So on one level, this means that God has, has granted the believer peace uh, through Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, so why would we need peace Well, we would need peace because uh, we are sinful. We are sinners uh, because, you know, we know the story, but Adam and Eve uh, were given a direct command. Uh, They disobeyed God. uh, And because of their disobedience, uh, we have inherited their disobedience and have inherited sin. And because of sin, uh, the relationship that uh, man and woman once had with God Has been broken, um, and Jesus then comes to restore the relationship that has been broken. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like a war, right? We think about wars that were back in the day, like uh, wars between like two different countries, right? They're they're battling it out, and there's a war between them. Uh, When you think about Jesus becoming our peace, right? When you think about uh, a peace treaty between two countries, what happened in that situation is that uh, there was a a treaty that was signed. Right. And because of that treaty that was signed, it then uh, basically broke the war. It brought peace. And So for us, there was a war between God and us. There was a war between God and man. And Jesus became our peace treaty. Jesus became our peace treaty. Think about Romans 5, one where it says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so there was beef between us and God and Jesus comes and squashes the beef. He restores the relationship, uh, that was once broken. He, uh, Brings us to God. Jesus is our mediator between God and us. He mediates us. And this is good news, right? For us as Christians uh, to know and to be reminded this evening, right? And even as we've been singing, even as we've been praying, even as we've been reading different scriptures and thinking about this, that, that for us here this evening, we're only here by God's grace. We're only here by God's sheer mercy. That that God saved us. That there was once a time where we were enemies of God. And now we're friends of God. We at one point uh, were headed down a road to destruction, to hell. But God saves us and He then puts us on the road to, to Him, to, to life. Grants us eternal life. So, God grants us peace at salvation. And then, on another level, God gives the believer peace in the form of rest or security. So, right, He gives us peace at salvation, right? So, that's peace between God and, and us that Jesus has given us, granted us. But then, on the flip side, God also then gives us peace in the form of rest security. I love how uh, God's big story uh, is a podcast that we're listening with LJ. It's a really good podcast. Um, I love how they define peace. They said peace is when you're complete and whole on the inside. You are complete and whole on the inside. God is peace and he then gives us peace. So this type of peace is a result of the peace he's objectively Uh, Given us. And when I say objectively, what I mean by that is it's in a way that is not influenced by personal feelings or opinions. Right. So he's given us peace objectively. That isn't influenced by like, you know, um, yeah, personal feelings or, you know, particular opinions. He's given us peace through Christ, granted us peace through Christ. But then subjectively. And what I mean by that is he's given us peace in a way that is based on personal feelings or particular taste or opinions. So subjectively we have been given peace. Objectively, we've been granted peace. Subjectively, we've been given peace. And this peace, Paul says in Philippians 4, 7, this peace surpasses all understanding and that it will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I think about uh, Dennis Rodman, uh, those of us who know, I think everybody in the room knows that it's Um He's arguably one of the greatest defenders of all times. Uh, you think about uh, this peace uh, defending us. Right. This is what it says. It says, so this piece surpasses all understanding. It's, it's you know, it's it's, when we, yeah, it's 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 big, it's vast, it's, you know, comprehensive, uh, surpasses all understanding. But then it will guard, it will defend our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So this peace will defend, it will guard, and it will stay close to us in Christ Jesus. So what, what are some things that it might guard against? What are some of these things that, that peace in God that we experience subjectively with God, what, what are some things that it might guard against? Well, it might guard against anxiety and depression, right? It may, it may guard against Anxiety and depression is one who uh, battles with anxiety. Uh, I know it's real, uh, it's a struggle. And we think about having this, this peace that, that comes from God this, this, this sense of peace that um, no matter the things that are happening in life, no matter, um, yeah, the, the small particular daily task or different things that might be small that might become big to me or to you, no matter, uh, there's still a peace that I can experience with God, knowing that it's okay. Knowing that it's going to be okay. Because God has given me peace about this particular task or this particular meeting. Whatever it might be, God can grant you peace, grant me peace. What else can it guard against? It can guard against pride. It can guard against pride. It can guard against Uh, When you're suffering in the faith, right? Various trials, various circumstances, God can grant you peace. And I know a lot of us can testify to that even this evening that through the midst of particular trials and different things that we've experienced in life, God has been faithful and able to grant us peace. Amen. Grant us peace through challenges, through hard stuff. To able to give us peace. Or when you're struggling with some particular sin that you just can't seem to shake, God can, can, one, remind you of the peace that he's won for you or granted you through Christ and grant you forgiveness, but then also grant you peace and strength to be able to fight those particular things. So these are the, some of the things there's, uh, I'm sure, a whole lot of things we could add in that list, but, but some of the things that this peace... Uh, can guard against, and I guess just on another level of just thinking about this piece um, this 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 piece, like how uh psalm forty six talks about man us as being still, right a stillness in knowing that man he is God, and that he is in control over everything, and that he remains constant and sure in the midst of whatever we might experience as believers and that he can grant us peace. I don't know about you all, but I want that type of peace. I need that type of peace in God. And so the question is, do you have this type of peace this evening? Do I have this type of peace this evening? All right? We, we by God's grace have peace with God, right? And that's peace with him that he has granted us through the Lord Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, but then also peace from God that he will grant you, give you, in the midst of life circumstances, challenges, hardships, joys, sorrows, whatever that might be. So may we this evening, family, seek to receive that peace from God by faith in his son. So then what should this peace of Christ do? What should this peace of Christ do? Well, in verse 15a, it says, rule in your hearts. So this type of peace should rule in our hearts. In other words, let the peace you have with God and the peace you have from God rule in your hearts. The idea here is to let this peace from God guide your decisions, to guide your thoughts. Let this peace rule in your hearts. Which then all leads to the reality uh, that believers are called to live in peace with one another. Right? We're called to live in peace with one another. And so We are one body. Look back with me at verse 15b, what does it say? It says, so, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Called in one body. I don't want you to miss this, this evening. Not only is this peace objective and subjective, right? But it's also relational. It's also relational. Meaning that if you have the peace of Christ, in you and it's ruling in your hearts, then you and I are going to seek to live peaceably with all. Romans 12:18. And we're going to seek to live peaceably with all. So the question is for, for you and for me, how's that going for you this evening? How's that going for us this evening? Are you a person who strives to live in peace with everyone? Or, on the flip side, Are you someone who goes from zero to a hundred real quick? Do you, do you, are you someone who goes from X to Y to Z real fast? Are you seeking to live in peace with everyone? So when you put this all together to maintain a peaceful heart, as one commentator says, as one who maintains a peaceful heart, is one who must be thankful to maintain a peaceful heart is one who must be thankful so how are we doing chcc family with thankfulness this evening all right we we think about what i started with in the beginning of the sermon that when i saw that church sign talking about you know what what if you know thanksgiving was was not just a day but a lifestyle Thankfulness is to be a lifestyle for us, I believe, family. So as we are in Christ, may we be reminded this evening of all the things that we are to be thankful for this evening. All the ways that God has shown himself to be faithful to us thus far and will continue. All of the ways that he has displayed his grace and his goodness towards us. All of the ways that he's provided for us and ultimately providing salvation in his son. May we find many, many ways to be thankful this evening. So being thankful is a huge theme all over the book of Colossians. So Colossians 1.3, it says, we always thank God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, right? So Paul, uh, thanking God in his prayers. Colossians 1.12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians 2.7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And then in our text alone is mentioned three times as we've read it this evening. And then Colossians 4.2 continues steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So the whole book of Colossians is, 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 is filled with thanksgiving, with thankfulness. So gratitude becomes a natural posture for believers in response to all that God has done for us. Gratitude should and can become a natural posture for us as believers in response to all that God has done for us. There are a lot of other places in scripture that show gratitude as a mark of a believer. Here's one example, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Being thankful as we see in this text is the will of God for you and for me, Christian. You wanna know what the will of the Lord is for your life? Be thankful. Be thankful. But on the other hand, ingratitude marks unbelievers. So Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So what's our response this evening to God? Is it is it gratitude? Is it thankfulness? I pray that we would be thankful this evening. Once again, in the midst of so many things, I know even from what we've experienced as a family, even from what you all have experienced as families and hard things, suffering, challenges, almost feeling like you can't catch your breath at times because there's so many different things hitting you left and right. But I pray that even in the midst of all of that, we will seek God for his peace. Peace that is available to us. We look to him. And in in a web that may have us caught in ingratitude, stuck in a posture of not being grateful or thankful, I pray that we will be reminded once again. How much we are to be thankful for So that's thing number one Thankfulness as a response to God Thing number two Thankfulness as worship to God Look down with me at verse 16 It reads as follows Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs With thankfulness in your hearts to God So let me break down a a few of these phrases or words in the text so uh, the word of Christ as one commentator puts it means the revelation he brought into the world which is which is scripture so the word of Christ meaning uh, God's word here scripture dwell referring to uh, to live in or to be at home uh, Paul calls upon believers to let the word take up residence and be at home in our lives right? So that word dwell meaning to to live in or to be at home. So Paul's idea here is to to the word to take up residence and to to live in our lives, to to be at home with us. Then richly could be translated abundantly or extravagantly rich. So he said, let the words of Christ dwell in us richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Do you want the word of God to dwell in you like this? I do. I want the words of Christ. I want God's word to be at home in me. And I pray the same for you all, family. So how, how does this happen? How, how can the Word of Christ dwell in us richly? Well, in order for it to dwell in us, in order for us to Yeah, for it to to take up residence in us, then we have to read it. We have to to read it. We have to read God's word. We have to study God's word. We have to meditate on God's word. And then we have to delight. Delight in God's word. What does it mean to delight? Well, when you delight in something, you, you enjoy it. You love it. You cherish it. So reading, studying, meditating, delighting in God's word personally, but then also in community. So doing that, like like, it's already happening in cycling pods or, or one-on-one settings, but reading and studying, meditating, delighting in God's word. So uh, I want to encourage you, if you're not already, to seek to be reading the Bible four more days a week, right? Four more days a week. Or um, if, if, if it's a struggle for you to, to get in a consistent rhythm, maybe a reading plan might help, right? Um, you know, we're in the book of Psalms right now. It's, it's, it's not too late uh, to just jump in where we are, uh, to participate with us in that. If you're not already, to, to jump in the book of Psalms with us in, in a myriad of different ways. But my encouragement to us is if we want to see the words of Christ dwell in us richly, well, we got to be in it. we got to study it. we got to meditate upon it. And we got a delight in it. So may we all, family, seek to desire God's word more and more, read God's word more and more, and let it change us, let it shape us. Amen? Amen. So this passage is a parallel to Ephesians 5, 19 through 21. So this particular part of the verse is a parallel uh, to Ephesians 5, 19 through 21. As it reads, it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the word of Christ dwelling in the believer results in teaching and admonishing, admonishing meaning uh, warning someone of consequences for their behavior all right. So the word of Christ dwelling in the believer results in teaching and admonishing. But the word of Christ dwelling richly in someone doesn't just produce information. It produces emotion. So it results. This is what I believe Paul is getting at here. It results in singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we're worshiping because of this good word from God, from Christ his word resulting in emotion. So not just producing information, but producing emotion, producing worship. And so Psalms, as MacArthur says here, Psalms were taken from the Old Testament Psalter, uh, the Book of Psalms. So they sang Psalms, put to music, much as we do today, right? Uh, Hymns were expressions of praise to God. It is thought that some portions of the New Testament such as Colossians 1, 15 through 20, or Philippians 2, 6 through 11, uh, were originally hymns sung in the early church, right? So psalms, hymns, and then spiritual songs emphasize like testimony. So you think about Revelation 5, 9 through 10, uh, they express in song what God has done for us, right? So spiritual songs emphasizing kind of testimony as to what God has done His goodness and grace towards us. So you think about Revelation five, as it reads here, it says, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. So a testimony to, to what God has, has done as an example here. So, what would it look like? I know we've seen this in different spaces we've been in, I'm sure. But what would it look like, yeah, here at CHCC, if spoken word and Christian hip hop and contemporary music and gospel music and other music forms in that way were expressed in our service? Right? As we are, yeah, through God's word. Being compelled to worship God in song in all of these different ways. What would it look like for us as a church or for other churches in that way? So follow this as we worship through the teaching of the word and song. We're to do this with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 16, as the text says, it says, so as we do these particular things, we are to do it with thankfulness. In your hearts to God. So think about it. You and I, we deserve death because of our sin. But Jesus took the death we deserve. And he, yeah, took the death we deserve. He uh, gave us, yeah, eternal life. He granted us eternal life. If that's not enough to cause us to praise him, I don't know what else will and as we worship God, it's never about us. It's about him. So worship is, is never about us, it's about God. And if we're not careful, um, we can try to replace worship with ourselves and, and God. We live in such a me centered culture where we make everything about us. I make everything about me at times. And we all can struggle with that. We live in a very me-centered culture. But none of this was ever supposed to, to be about us merely. And I want to be sensitive to this. I want to be sensitive to this. As I know, we all come right with certain expectations about things or preferences relating to worship style, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the question. What if... You viewed everything that's happening this evening and on other evenings. What if you viewed those things as for God and not merely for you or for me? That would radically transform your worship experience. It would transform mine. So when we come to a worship gathering asking what can I get from God today uh, versus how can I worship God because I've already been given much? If, if, if that's the case, we're being consumerist and not Christian. And as we worship God from a place of gratitude for what he's already given us, we see ourselves as participators in worship and not merely spectators, right? And for us as a, as a church plant, it's hard to, to, to not be a participator <laughs> as, right? as, a, as a new church plant. So we're all participating. Everybody's participating, uh, but but what if that's the case? Then to know that what we're doing this evening is for God and not merely for you or for me, that it's not about us, but that it's about Him. We're here to worship God. We're here to sing praises to God. We're here to glorify God. This isn't performance. This isn't us. Yeah, it's, it's for him. Here's what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is that when we come to a worship gathering or that when we spend time in God's word, etc., et that we shouldn't be affected in some sense. Hopefully you are encouraged or convicted or challenged or you experience joy or peace as a result or hope, as a result of reading God's word and gathering with his people. But what I am saying is that we have to be careful not to approach God or to come to a worship gathering or any particular yeah Bible study or anything along those lines with a heart posture of what can I get today from God when God has already given us much and because he's given us much He's calling us to worship him because of that. Does that make sense? That our motivations, which we'll even look at this last point, our motivations for worship are to be God and not what we can get from God when God has already given us much and he's calling us to worship him because he's given us much. So we worship him because of who he is and for what he's done, but we're not worshiping him merely because of what we are trying to get from him. He's given us salvation, eternal life. He's even from this passage, as we're reading, he's, he gives us peace. He provides for us. And so as we worship God, point of it all here in this, in this text is that as we do worship him, he's calling us to be thankful. He's calling us to have postures, heart postures of, of thankfulness. So that's theme number two. Thankfulness as worship to God. And then lastly, our final point this evening, thing number three, thankfulness as motivation for God. So that's verse 17. Look at verse 17. It says, and whatever you do in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What a weighty task. This isn't something to take lightly. God, through Paul, says, with your word, what you say, and deed, what you do, and in everything, to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to come across as if I do this perfectly, because I don't. And... None of us do it perfectly. But what God is saying in his word is he's saying that in everything we say and do, that Christ should be central. That Christ should be central. To do everything in the name of the Lord means our lives, as one commentator says, our lives are to be consistent with who he is and what he wants. So to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ Our lives are to be consistent with who he is and what he wants. In another place, Paul says, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So are you or am I living to do all that I do to the glory of God? Is this true of us? Is it true of our families? Is it true uh, in the decisions we make? We may be imperfect in this, and we are, but the question is are we striving to make this a reality on a daily basis? Are we striving to make this a reality on a daily basis? So don't miss this. It can be true of us because we are in Christ and it's not based on our performance, but it's based on Christ's performance in our place and his performance was perfect right and so we're, we're trusting Christ and we're we're trusting in his performance in our place and what he has done so then what's the proof that you and I are doing everything with Christ at the center what's the proof and i believe this passage tells us that it's thankfulness that it's thankfulness that your thankfulness to God the father through uh, to God the father through the Lord Jesus so, when you thank God through Christ, as you seek to do everything that's consistent with who he is and what he wants, your motivation. Check this. Your motivation to do it will be Christ centered. So I it one last time, when you thank God through Christ, as you seek to do everything that's consistent with who he is and what he wants, your motivation to do it will be Christ centered. So I pray this this evening, family, that that yeah, that thankfulness as we leave from here, if it wasn't already, that thankfulness will be our posture. That it just wouldn't be during the Thanksgiving season, that it just wouldn't be uh, Yeah, a day, but that we would seek to strive imperfectly on a daily basis to be thankful. To be thankful. I think it was John MacArthur, I think um, years ago, I heard, I think a sermon from him or maybe an interview or something along those lines, but he, and we started doing this in in our family um, many years ago, but one of the things he would do is, he said that he would wake up in the morning and he would just thank God. He would just just seek to thank God for uh, everything. Like he would wake up. He's trying to put this text into practice. He would wake up and seek to have a posture, a, a heart posture of thankfulness to God. Let me thank you, God, for this day. Let me thank you for life, etc. Cetera, et cetera. But then at the end of the day, he would then thank God for the day. He would thank God for all of the different uh, ways that God has shown his goodness and faithfulness and, and all these different things. And and thank him for the day. May that be us. May that be us. Even if we don't do that like uh, verbatim in that way, but may we have a posture each morning and each evening of just being thankful for God and his goodness and his grace in our lives and the many ways that he's provided for us and the many ways that he's shown mercy to us and to our families. And so may that be us, I pray. So theme number one, thankfulness as a response to God. Number two, thankfulness as worship to God. And then lastly, three, as we just ended, thankfulness as motivation for God. So as the team comes back up, let me me just invite us to just spend a moment um, of just, yeah, just silence before you and God. You and God praying. You praying to God. And specifically, that um, yeah, repenting. Repenting of the times that this week, even during Thanksgiving, where you and I may have been just uh, embarded with ingratitude. Ingratitude. And let's pray and ask God to give us grateful hearts. And to continue to give us grateful hearts. So let's do that now. Let's spend some time doing that. Then I'll close this. Father, we do be, we do come before you. Uh, just um, thankful. thankful for how good you are and how gracious you are and how merciful and kind and patient you are with us, your children. Uh, you're so faithful so loving. Help us, Lord, this evening to be more grateful. I know we we can be, and we are, I'm sure, but we do struggle with ingratitude. We do struggle with being ungrateful. And so God, help us to be more and more Help us to be reminded of the great salvation we have in the Lord Jesus. Help us to be reminded, Lord, even in the midst of real challenges, we aren't negating those things. We aren't downplaying those things, not at all, because we've gone through many hard things, some things that are currently present in some of our lives right now so we aren't negating any of that we aren't downplaying any of that but we just ask Lord in the midst of those things that you would help us to not be wallowing in ungratefulness or that we would not be wallowing in sin that we would not be wallowing in As I believe sister mentioned earlier, Nikki mentioned that that our hearts wouldn't be hardened in any way, but that instead it would be softened and that our posture would be gratitude. So help us to do that, Lord. We can't do that in our own strength. We need your spirit. We need you to help us. We need you to, to take our eyes and fixed him on Jesus. Help us to do that more and more, we pray. In Jesus' name.